welcome to the Homeschooling Family Podcast. Here, we discuss just about everything that comes into play when you're a Christian homeschooling family. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and on today's podcast, I'm joined by Karen Stubbs, who serves and equips moms through her ministry, Birds on a Wire. Karen and I will discuss how to become a student of your child and how gaining a better understanding of what makes your kiddos tick will make you a much more effective parent. And that will go a long way towards strengthening your relationship with them because the insight you'll gain into their heart and personality will be priceless. I'm really excited for you to join us today. So let's dive right in. Everybody, welcome back. I am really excited to have Karen Stubbs, who is with Birds on a Wire Moms. She's going to be talking to us today really about getting to know your children and the power of that um, and, and really how when you know your children better, it's going to give you a lot of insight into just the way that they tick, the things that you can do to really engage with them more and that sort of thing. So Karen, welcome so much or welcome to our program. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, that kind of thing so that we can get to know you a little better. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, first off, for having me here. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to the moms. Um, I am a mother of four. I and my husband was in the military for 20 years and is now a FedEx pilot. And so uh, just the whole time having children and raising the children, you know, I had a traveling husband, so I know a lot of moms out there can relate to that. And mm -hmm. I just always sort of thought I was the only person on the planet that thought parenting, mothering was hard until I started working at a church. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and then I started realizing I worked in the care department of our church um, here in Atlanta. And I started realizing, oh, wow, I'm, I'm not the only one that thinks this is hard. A lot of these moms are struggling and a lot of these moms are um, really in search of some answers and some guidance and all that kind of stuff. So that's how I started Birds on a Wire. And it's just a ministry to equip and encourage moms. And now I'm a grandmother to four, <laughs> almost five. Our fifth grandchild will be born any day now. We're waiting. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Exciting. Yes, 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 yes. So I love my job and I love um, pouring into moms because I just think they are the lifeline to the families to our society and everything. And I just think a lot of times they're overlooked. So I love to celebrate yes. them. Yeah. Well, that is awesome. You know, you you talked about the moms that are struggling. And before we get, you know, kind of deep into really what's going to be the the bulk of our content today, I wanted to, to talk to you a little bit about that because mm -hmm. I know that there are so many moms that are listening in that are either discouraged, they are overwhelmed, whatever, or there's even a lot of them who struggle with not even sure that they want to do this gig. You know, I didn't sign up for this. Um, and how do you, what are some of the the things that you have found through the years in ministering to moms that, that really, I guess, releases some of those burdens that we put on ourselves or, or some of the mindsets way of thinking that, that we get trapped in uh, that may be, you know, able to encourage those moms who really relate to those things of just being discouraged, overwhelmed, or yeah. you know, questioning what they're doing in the first place. Absolutely. Well, that's the deal. I like to tell all of our moms, none of us really know what we're doing. You know, we're all sort yeah. of figuring it out the best we can. And that's why being a grandparent is so wonderful because, 
by that point, you know, you've trial and aired it. And then you're like, oh, I get it now. I understand. But then you just have to love them. You know, you can love them and then shoot, give them back to the parents and you don't have to do all <laughs> hard work, you know. But um, I always like to encourage our moms or all moms across the world, like, you know what, you're doing a good job. I think we think, I I know I used to think, you know, God is disappointed in me. I lost my temper today. I lost my cool. You know, I'm sure he's disappointed in me. But in, in Isaiah 40 11, it says that he gently guides those with young. And I mm. love that verse because it just shows that we have a heavenly father that understands this role that we are in and as, as a mother. And I really, truly believe he wants us to invite him along in our journey, not just to be, you know, the God we worship on Sundays or we, you know, pray to at night or whatever, but to every day invite him into our world and let him know whenever you don't know what you're doing. Let him know whenever you're standing there arguing with your teenager and you feel like you're losing the battle, like pray silently, God, help me say the right words right now to this teenager. Help me push past my emotions and really just speak some truth in love to this teenager. Give me wisdom. That's another verse I love. James 1, 5, you know, he who lacks wisdom, ask and God will give it to you generously. So, you know, all of us moms, there are, we have good days and we have bad days. Uh, but at the end of the day, we love our children. And the beautiful thing about children is they um, are so forgiving and, you know, they wake up in the morning and they're like, morning, mommy, you know, and you're like, okay, good. We start a new day. Let's go at it again. You know what I'm saying? Everything is fresh now. <laughs> exactly. And so we need to forgive ourselves and give ourselves grace and just really invite God in on this journey and not just keep him at arm's length distance, but just say, hey, join me on this road. I need all the help I can get, you know? Yeah. Well, and yeah, it's definitely comes down to to seeking the Lord's face, as you noted, but mm-hmm. but also engaging with, with other believers is so helpful Absolutely. for moms. You know, we're told in Titus too, that the older moms or the older women are to teach the younger women, even how to love their children. It's like, this yeah. is such a special in-depth thing that you've got to be taught how to do it. Yes. And so I just encouraging moms to to engage with with other moms who can mentor them, whether it's physically or virtually like you and I do. Yeah. Um, just really, really find those people that can pour and speak truth to you to help you start bringing your own thoughts captive mm-hmm. and and you know kind of learning to think biblically and and walk that way in your own life but but there's so many who can support you along the way absolutely i love whenever we i travel and go to churches to speak or whatever i love seeing the birds on a wire groups where the older moms are the table leaders you know because mm-hmm. i get whenever you go to a church like that where you have a 20 older moms like my age range or up that are really pouring into those younger generations. That's a church that gets it, you know, that yep. they know that, and they, those younger moms need that so much, like pour into me. Cause we don't all live right down the road from our moms anymore. You right. know, and some of us don't even have a great relationship with our mom. And you're like, whatever she did, I want to do the opposite. So <laughs> these godly women that just see the importance of, like you said, Titus two, and that will pour into that next generation. Ah, it's just, it's the best. Well, and it's so good for the older moms too. Absolutely. To, to be able to 
remember and walk through that stuff again. And and also to feel needed, to feel useful in the body. It's just God's ways are always so much better than anything we would have conceived. And that's just Mm -hmm. another way that that shows up is those relationships between the older and the younger moms. So true. I love that. Well, let's dive now into, you talk a lot. In fact, I I saw that there was a quiz on your website about figuring out the temperament or the bents of your children. Why, why is that there for starters? Why, why does that matter? And, and, you know, what can we gain from knowing what those temperaments are? Well, one of the main things I talk about, um, because like I said, I had four children and all four children were very wired differently. Um, and some, I understood their wiring a little bit better than others. Mm-hmm. But what I really encourage all moms is to be a student of your child, figure out what their love language is, figure out what their temperament is, figure out what their personality is. Are they introvert? Are they extrovert? Do they, you know, like to be alone? Can they play by themselves? Do they need groups, whatever, you know, and then sort of parent accordingly Not that you're just letting your child figure it all out for you, but you're just sort of working with them instead of against them. Right. And this whole temperament idea, it goes way back to Socrates. You know, he's the one that initially had said there are four temperaments, the phlegmatic, the choleric, the sanguine, and the melancholy. And then in Birds on a Wire, we use the blue, yellow, green, and red temperaments. And so, as I was telling you earlier, my son, it was our third child, he his temperament is the opposite of mine. So I'm a yellow and I'll get into all that in a second. He was a blue and even from a young baby, he was very serious. And I was just like, this this little baby doesn't smile that much. You know, he just, even when I would put him in the swing, when he was that little, his little brow would fur up and he'd be like, why am I going backwards? Why am I going forward? (laughs) He was serious all the time. We'd walk into church when he was two or three years old and people would be like, good morning, Taylor. And he would be like, he'd growl at him. And I'm like, oh, why are you growling at these sweet little ladies? (laughs) I don't like them looking at me. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? I don't understand this. But then I got this book, um, Parenting, uh, let's see. Uh, personality plus for parents by Florence Littower. I had to think there for a second. Hmm. And this lady, Florence Littower, talked about these four temperaments. And Taylor was a melancholy, which is a blue. I'm a sanguine, which is a yellow. We are opposite. And she said, you know, the melancholies are very serious. They're analytical thinkers. They're processors. They don't like a lot of attention. The yellows are just the opposite. They love attention. They don't think about anything. They just do everything impulsively. They love fun. They love people and all of that. And I'm like, ah, okay. And then that whole concept of becoming a student of your child sort of hit me on if I want to parent my little three-year-old, sweet, sensitive, thoughtful boy and not try to make him be like me, but just <laughs> embrace who he is, the way God wired him, I think he and I will be happier. And so I just started doing that instead of making him you know, smile and be happy towards these people, I would just say, okay, let's you and I come to a compromise. If you'll stop growling at people and just nod your head, 
that will be our compromise. And I said, can you do that at three years old? And he said, yes. And I said, okay, then I will stop expecting you to, okay, hey, Mrs. Brown, how are you? And engage in this big, long conversation, which he could care less about. So as he grew, I just learned more and more and more about his temperament. And then I started applying that to my girls. And it just ended up to where whenever all my children were adults, we all had great relationships. But I think it's because I learned their strengths and their weaknesses. We have both on all the temperaments. Hmm. And I started parenting towards that instead of making them all sort of be like me. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, And I think that what you just said at the very end is really, really important in this discussion because it's much easier for us to expect them to be like us in oh, yeah. in the ways that we want them to. I mean, there's a, there's some yeah. ways that my kids are like me that I'm like, no, 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 not that one. Yeah. Um, but but there we understand us. We understand how we think, That's and right. to try to to put yourself in the place of someone that, like you said, you don't understand. That's my second son. Mm-hmm. Um, he he has been a mystery to me until uh, I actually did. an exercise. I write, um, I journal through the Bible for each of my kids for Mm. their 16th birthday. They get, so I read through the Bible, write them all notes and just pray through that time that God will give me special insight into their hearts. And it was through that exercise that God actually allowed me to see who he was in a very different way. Um, but, but it wasn't until, you know, going through that when he's 14, 15, 16 years old, mm-hmm. that I really had a whole lot of insight into this kid who's just very different than me. Yeah. Um, but, but that allowed me then to just kind of set him free to be him instead of me constantly kind of tugging and pulling and questioning and, exactly. and all of the things that when we're trying to make them look a certain way, um, you know, we tend to run into. Yes. That's exactly right. It makes for a happier relationship whenever you, you know, you recognize them for who they are and and just sort of give up the, you know, battle of trying to be what you want them to be all the time, you know? Right. Yeah. And just to clarify, in case anyone misunderstands, we're not talking about letting them, you know, with sin or anything like that. We're we're talking here about personality bent, the way that, that they are actually hardwired. I agree. A hundred percent. You still have the job of being a mom disciplined. Right. You still have the job of this is what our family believes, our values, our core mission, and this is how we're going to act and do and blah, blah, blah. So we're still exactly (laughs) Right. And that, so this exercise just gives you a much better insight into how to even address those heart issues with them because you can speak a language they understand better. That's exactly right. I love that. So, so walk us through then the, the different types of, of personalities, the different types of temperaments as you guys kind of look at them. I know that in your quiz, you're looking at both I guess you can walk through it as either this is me as a parent or Mm -hmm. this is my child. So you can answer it either way. And why is that? Why is it important really even to understand yourself and how you're bent in this whole equation? Well, that's a great question. So um, it's important that you know who you are as a person, even your husband. I mean, uh, this this type of... Moms, I'm, we're just going to give like a 30,000 foot view of this. They can go on the website. We've got yeah. lots of podcasts that dive into this, but um, it's important to know what you are 
because then you know what you're coming against on the other temperament. And like I said, my son and I are opposite. So I'll just start with that yellow temperament. So that's what I am. A yellow, every temperament has a keyword that is associated with their temperament. So the yellow's keyword is they want to have fun. Everything about them is fun. They love people. They love uh, parties. They love to be the life of the party. They love, um, they're very decisive. They're very positive. They uh, set big goals. And a lot of times they accomplish them because they don't really think through the details. (laughs) So they Mm -hmm. go for it, you know. And, um, but their weaknesses, those are a lot of their strengths, but their weaknesses are they don't pay attention to detail. They tend to be too impulsive sometimes. They can talk too much. They are too happy for some people. They have a lot of energy. They can be a little egotistical. They um, forget their obligations. They overbook themselves all the time. Um, they don't. They tend to not follow through, um, and they can be undisciplined, just to name a few. So just to look at my son, who's the opposite of that temperament, uh, the blues, their keyword is perfection. They want mm. things to line up and be perfect. They have very high standards for themselves and for others. And so a lot of times your blues, they have, they're great students. You know, they're good kids. I mean, because they want to do it right and they want to do it perfectly. But that can also be a weakness because as you and I know, Nothing in life is perfect, and they can get frustrated very easily. Like, you know, when Tater was little, he would line up his trains on the floor, and he'd be playing very quietly, very um, to himself. But if his little sister just happened to crawl by or walk by and bump his trains, he'd get so angry because now everything's not perfect. And in his Hmm. mind, it, it needs to be perfect for it to be a good thing, you know, where the yellows are very positive. Um, glasses always have full. The blues are tend to be glass half empty. Uh, a lot of times I used to call Taylor my little Eeyore. Like it didn't matter who we could have been at Disney World all day having so much fun. And he would have found, you know, the one negative thing that happened. Well, the lines were too long. It was too hot. And I'm like, oh, buddy, come on. Because nothing yeah. in life is perfect, right? But some of the positive things about the blues is they're, they are um, very deep and thoughtful. They are talented and creative a lot of times. They are sensitive to others. They're self-sacrificing. They'll usually put others before themselves, which is such a great feature. They're conscientious. They're idealistic. They're always striving for that, the better, the good, you know. Um, they're very neat and tidy. They're orderly. They're very time conscious. So when, for an example, when Tater was little, he wanted to be everywhere like 10 to 20 minutes before the time that he was supposed to. Like he wanted to get to school early so he could get his desk all lined up and everything just in case the teacher was giving out extra assignments that he missed, he'd have time to do it. That was very important to him. Me, on the other hand, as a yellow, I mean, I could swing him in at the last second. As long as I got him there before the bell rang, that's a win situation for me. So as he grew, I had to be sensitive to that and be like, you know what? This is important to him that he's there early. I, as a mom, can help bring his stress level down if I get him there early. So I need to get myself up earlier to get him to school. Um, They tend to make friends cautiously because they're like, 
they are always evaluating, are you going to be a good friend or not? Because I'm going to be a good friend kind of thing. So they don't like a lot of attention called to themselves. And as a mom, I had to realize that. So the big birthday parties that I would want to give Taylor, he did not want. He wanted one or two friends over to his house, our house. He did not want us to ever sing him happy birthday at a restaurant. He didn't want us to sing him happy birthday, period. Even if it was at the house, he was 18 years old one time and I brought out the cake and we were singing happy birthday. And he looked at me very nicely and he said, mom, how many times do I have to tell you, I don't like you singing me happy birthday. And I just said, I just thought by 18, you would like it. And he said, no. So I still like it though. Come on. I know. I know. So some of their weaknesses are they tend to remember the negatives and that's something as a mom, you have to just sort of push past, you know, and I would though, when Taylor would say, I hate this or, you know, whatever I'd say, Hey buddy, hate is a harsh word. You can say things like, I don't like this, or this isn't my favorite, but let's quit saying hate, you know, sort of back to what you were saying earlier. We're still the moms. They can be very moody. They can um, be a little self-centered on always thinking of how this is affecting them. And now they're upset because this isn't, you know, perfect and all that kind of, they're not really people oriented at all. They're fine to be by themselves and um, they like it actually. Um, they can be self-deprecating. They can be hard to please because their standards are so high. Um, they can tend to be unforgiving because see, they're always holding like, you know, five years ago, you, uh, did this to me and now I'm still holding that against you. And so as a mom, it's good to know that that's one of their weaknesses. So you can address that spiritually and just say, you know what, it's not good to hold on to things, buddy. Like the longer you hold on and you're not forgiving, your heart is getting harder and Jesus forgave all of us. And so we model our lives after him. And he says, you know, that we need to forgive others no matter what they do to us. So that is something that I always had to um, keep in mind with Taylor. And then the next one is the green temperament. The greens are so easygoing. They're easy temperaments. Their key word is peace. And that's what they want. They want peace They do not like conflict and they do not like confrontation. They're easygoing. They're very lovable. They are low-key personalities. They're calm. They're cool. They're collected. They're patient and well-balanced. They're quiet sometimes, but witty. And they're kind. They're just kind individuals. Um, Mm. They're also, um, they are pretty good under pressure, but they will always find the easy way. Always. Um, And people love them. Those are their strengths. Some of their weaknesses are they can be fearful and worried. They can usually, uh, the yellows and the reds tend to be positive. The blues and the greens tend to be negative. Uh, The greens can sometimes have, um, they can avoid responsibility. They don't want to take on too much because they don't want to exert themselves too much. (laughs) They tend to be... um, you know, not goal oriented, they can lack self motivation, they can resent being pushed. And whenever you push a green, think of a turtle, or if you yell or raise your voice to a green, think of a turtle, they're going to pull their head in, you're they're just going to clam up and get real quiet. And so you got to really watch that. They don't have real any sense of urgency. So if you tell your child, hey, you got to sit there until you eat that broccoli, 
they can sit there all night long and it won't even bother them. So that can outlast you for sure. Exactly. So you don't want to throw that out there. And the (laughs) thing with the greens are they are stubborn. They have a a will of iron. And so you don't want to push your green back into the corner because like I just said, they can sit there all day long and be just as happy as anything. And whenever you're trying to motivate your green, because sometimes they can be hard to motivate, you need to give them, like I, my middle daughter is a green, a green yellow. And I used to go in her room. Her room was a mess always. It was just like a pigsty. And I'd say, clean up your room. And I'd walk out. See, that's too broad of a statement to tell a green. So I'd have to go in and say, pick up your dirty clothes and take them to the laundry room. She would, she could do that. But just the overarching clean up your room, that was too, she would get so overwhelmed by that one statement. She wow. just wouldn't do it at all. Yeah. And I should have, I should have added this. The key word with these, the yellow's fun, the blue's the perfection, the green is the peace. There's wow. also a way each of them get what they want and how they motivate and the yellow is they motivate through charm they get what they want by charming people the blues get what they want by being moody the greens get what they want by procrastination huh and yeah and then it brings us to the reds and the reds are leaders and their keyword is control they want to be in control and they their strengths are very positive they're born leaders they're dynamic, they are strong-willed, they're decisive, they're unemotional a lot of times, Um, they exude confidence. You know, my oldest is a red, and I had a friend of mine when she was like four said, how did you instill so much confidence in Kelsey? And I'm like, it's just there. I don't know how she she is. And that's the way God, you know, um, wired her. They're also very much goal-oriented, and they will achieve their goals. I mean, these are going to be the CEOs of companies. These are going to be um, the, the leaders in the school and all of that, um, they are very, they're real quick to move for action. They don't really hesitate on things. They make a goal, they achieve the goal. Some of their weaknesses is they can't really relax because they're just always so driven. You know, they're bossy, they're impatient, they're quick tempered, uh, because how they get what they want is through anger. That's hmm. how they uh, motivate others. They and people don't want to make them mad, so they'll do what they want. But you know, my I had two red children, and I used to tell them, "Quit bossing the kids around at school. You're not going to have any friends if you don't quit bossing everybody around." And they're like, "But I want to boss them around, and I I know what's the right way." And that's the frustrating thing about the reds is they think they're right all the time and nine times out of 10, they are right. Right. (laughs) But once again, as a parent, you have to teach them. I'm the parent, even though you're right, you need to obey me first and then we can have a discussion about it, you know, later kind of thing. And I'd love to, if you, if it's okay, I'd like to go over what each of these temperaments, they all need something from you as a parent and from others around them. And I even use this with my children, teaching them about like the colors within the siblings, you know, like Taylor is a blue and he needs his space. That's one of his desired needs in life. And you need to give him a space. Whenever he says, go away and leave me alone, you as a sister need to respect that and give him a space. So uh, on the yellows, 
Their keyword is fun and they motivate through charm or they control through charm. They need four things from us as moms. They need our attention, affection, approval, and acceptance. That's very important that the yellows feel accepted and um, approved by you as a mom. So your mm. reds, their keyword is control. Um, they control by their anger. And what they need is they need your loyalty. They need a sense of control. And I always tell moms, reds need to feel like they're in control of something, but just don't let them control you as a mom. You're the right. boss. That's your God-given right that God has given to you. Ephesians 6.1, children obey your parents. And it is in the Ten Commandments, you know. But let them control something in their house of what they're going to wear that day. Give them the dog responsibilities, whatever. Give them some kind of control. They need to be appreciated and they need credit for their work. They love praise. They will move mountains for praise. Mm. Um, the blues, once again, perfection. They control by their moods. They need sensitivity because they are such sensitive human beings. They need you to be sensitive to them. Just like me being sensitive to Taylor in his time frame, that that spoke volumes to my son because especially as he got older and he knew that this yellow mama he had was not organized and he knew how hard that was for me to get out the door, get him to school on time. He really valued and appreciated that. Mm. They need our support. They need space and they need silence. So a good example for space and silence is when Taylor would go to school, he was so on all day you know, being the good student, doing his work, getting all A's, all of that, that whenever he got home, my girls would pull up to the bar, you know, in the kitchen and they'd have their snacks and we'd all talk about the day. Taylor went straight down to his room in the basement. He'd turn on SpongeBob, eat his snack. And I had to learn to give him that space and that silence because that's where he was just decompressing. He's an introvert by nature and he just needed time to sort of re-pour into himself. And usually by the time he had watched a little bit of SpongeBob, the girls were outside playing or upstairs doing their homework, he would emerge from the basement. He'd put up his snack bowl or whatever, and he'd say, hey, mom, how are you doing? And that was our time to engage. Hmm. And that took me time, over time, to figure that out. Used to, I'd be like, sit up here at the bar with me and your sisters and talk to us. And he'd be like, he's a grouch. No, I won't do <laughs> But once I learned, ah, that's what he needs, It once again, it made our relationship so much better. And then um, the greens, once again, they need peace. They control by procrastination. They need peace and quiet. They need feeling of worth because a lot of times we can overlook our greens. And so we need to really, as moms, pay attention and be like, I see you. I value you. You're quiet. You're easygoing. But you are just as special as the little reds in our family or the yellows or the blues. Uh, feeling mm -hmm. of worth, lack of stress. Whenever you start seeing your greens get stressed out with school, like getting ready for college, doing the SATs, applying for colleges, that was very overwhelming for my green. I didn't do it for her because I felt like if you're going to go to college, you need to be able to fill out the application. But I supported her during that time. You know, like, I know this is hard. I know this is stressful to you and all these deadlines, but you can do it, you know, encourage them that way. And then also they need our respect. Um, hmm. I think that was very important for Emily, my second, because she has two sisters that are reds, Taylor that's a blue. She would feel overlooked a lot of times. And I just had to always say, you are just as important as them. 
you know, you're just as loved as them. What can I do to help you? You know, because like it'd be her birthday and the girls, other girls would give me a huge long list. I want this, this and this and this. And here's the links and this is the price. And Emily, you know, what do you want for your birthday? She'd be like, um, a new pencil bag would be nice. And I'm like, oh, my Lord, you know, <laughs> because they just don't need much, you know, right. so they need your respect. Yep. Yep. You know, as you were talking along, I just couldn't help but think what a creative, wonderful God we serve. Yes. That he, he, he gave us all of these different temperaments to make his body, to make mankind be yes. work together because it takes all of these different strengths and, and your personality types to really, truly make things function well. Um, as a whole, yeah, uh, and and just the the power that you get by by learning truly deeply who they are, you can help head off these negatives. You can help them learn to deal with them. How to think biblically about the things that you know, if left alone, like you were talking about, you know, holding on to things. Well, if left alone, that becomes bitterness, and bitterness yeah. will, will destroy. So you're able to get ahead of those things, and um, just really as a mom, it gives you such precious, valuable insight uh, into how to shepherd the hearts of your children if you are just engaging in that way and looking at that. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I am so interested in this. How can, how can the moms that are listening in actually mm -hmm. find out, try to go through those quizzes, find out what the temperaments of both them and their husband, but also each of their children? Oh, yeah. I would go to our website, birdsonawiremoms.com. And we actually have a study that on this, it's in mom core. I think it's week four or five being a student of your child. And I go through all of it in detail. We've also, we've also done podcasts on it with wire talk. That's our podcast with birds on a wire. And um, you can type in, you know, personalities, colors, temperaments, and we all just go, um, I did like a whole month where we just dove down into it, you know, and moms yeah. all the time are asking questions. Like I have a red child and I love that. I love that lingo. Like I have a red child. I'm having trouble in discipline. How, how can I, you know, what's the best form of discipline for this child or whatever? Because that, when they say I have a blue child, I instantly sort of know, okay, he's a perfectionist. So that's why he's getting angry when his stuff isn't right. Or that's why, a lot of times perfectionists don't want to try something unless they can just master it right out of the gate. Yeah. And I used to tell my son Taylor, like nobody masters anything right out of the gate. Like this, it takes practice. It takes learning. Don't beat yourself up over it. Try, do your best. We can get you a coach or a tutor or whatever, but you have to give yourself some time to learn how to be the best, you know? Well, and even the insight on that, you know, whether you're dealing with someone who's a perfectionist who just wants it that way yes. or someone who's lazy and just yes. doesn't want to work for it. Those are two very different starting points. Exactly. So, so understanding it's the same end point. He doesn't want to do it, but understanding mm -hmm. why is so, so important. Yes, exactly. And like, even with siblings, like I said, referenced earlier, you know, sometimes my girls would come and say, you know, like Emily, Kelsey's bossing me around because Kelsey's the red. And I'd say, you're right. She is. And that's the way God wired her. But you have a voice. God gave you a voice. And Emily hates conflict so bad. And I'd say, Emily, if you want to be heard in life, you've got to speak up and say, stop. Mm. 
And then I'd go to Kelsey. Hey, Kelsey, you are, God wired you as a strong leader for sure. But you know what? There's good leaders and there's dictators and you need to learn how to be a good leader. And the, what you're doing right now to Emily is a dictator and that's not good. You know, and I teach her, this is what a good leader is. This is how you want to lead well. And it, it's more work for us as a mom, but the end result is so much better. And we end up having a family that understands each other and loves each other and starts realizing, ah, God wired them a certain way. They're not weird. That is just their temperament. That's the way they are, you know? That Yeah, absolutely. So, so fascinating. Well, we are out of time for today, Karen, but I'm going to link in the show notes to all of these different things that you've alluded to. So we make sure that everyone can can pull on those threads and engage with that content a little bit more. Um, But thank you so much for coming out and joining us today. This has been fascinating. Thank you for having me. I truly had a great time. Many of the families I talk to, whether they're new to homeschooling or they've been doing it for a long time, they find themselves completely at a loss and even a little or a lot scared from time to time. Are they doing it right? Are they doing enough? Why are they even trying? Because of those and a thousand other conversations I've had through the years, David asked me to put together a curriculum of sorts to help homeschool families fully grasp the amazing call and privilege God has given them. Can you even imagine what would happen if the thousands of homeschool families who know our great God would really key into the mission behind what God has called them to do? Our world would be changed for sure as God's people passed their faith onto their children, as we encouraged one another to engage in the mission in our own communities and more. We have just launched a brand new curriculum called Heart School, and I invite you to join us now. In that class, we look at everything from the foundation of why you would heart school to the relationships impacted by it to how a heart schooler approaches the nuts and bolts like choosing curriculum, planning our days, and more. I believe God will use this to change the thinking and maybe even the path of all who tune in. So to get more information, go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash heart school. Feel free to share that link with anybody else that you know that could benefit from a class like that, because I truly believe that this is an incredibly important thing for all Christian homeschoolers, and I'm certain that God's timing is best in the release. So please join me by signing up for information and to learn more at teachthemdiligently.net forward slash heart school, and have a great rest of your day.